Hello, everyone, and welcome to RPG Pop Club. Uh, we're going to take a moment and reach into our mailbag and answer some correspondence from our listeners. Joining me right now is the one, the only, the illustrious Philip. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Let's do this. All right. I love hearing from these guys. You guys are amazing. Without dude. listeners, we really don't have a podcast, do we? So here we go. Well, <laughs> I, I actually disagree, but uh, it makes it all the more awesome. We, we can certainly have a game, uh, but... It's good to have it's good to have listeners to a podcast. Yeah. Um, so this first message. So we're actually going back. We um we had some correspondence we haven't responded to in a while. So uh, let's we're kind of going back in time a little bit. We have um we have uh let's see a note here from from Lee. Uh, I, I won't use a full name for now. I'll just say it's from Lee. Uh, I don't know about privacy concerns, but uh, the note is. I found your Trek RPG podcast, I assume Star Trek RPG podcasts just recently. I'm enjoying listening to them. I had the FASA game way back when, but almost never played it. Most of my group were more interested in hack and slash and writing a Trek-like episode was thought to be too difficult. Recently, uh, one of my groups discovered Far Trek, a free uh, light rule set and we played a handful of sessions with that. One thing we tried was to let each player have three characters, but only one character could be active at any time. Each player could have one character at each command level, a captain or department head, um, a lieutenant who would likely lead a landing party or a crew level character. Also uh, the three characters player controlled characters here were divided among the shirts, gold, red, or blue, one each. So you would control a red shirt, a blue shirt, and a gold shirt. Um, it worked for a while, and then we learned why they needed to be kept separate as all 21 characters were in the same firefight. Oh, man. Uh, he says he does not recommend it. No. Um, he goes on My to nightmare. say, what? I said, My nightmare. Yeah. I'm going to run that combat, dude. Oh, gosh. It's just rolling dice forever um it it did work however he said it did work when the landing party could talk to whoever remained on board the ship passing information back and forth was much smoother uh the gm didn't have to run hundreds of npcs yeah i i can mm -hmm. imagine that would be nicer um then he goes on to say uh some of the episodes episodes he enjoyed having some technical difficulties um and uh, he's interested in using Ghosts of Conscience for a Far Trek game. Maybe use that module in the Far Trek rule set. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, that, of, of the early episodes, I think we gave that the strongest review. It, yeah. And I was listening to it again. And it's just, it's got so much going for it. It's just so Star Trek-y. It, it really does. And it, I think that it still is one of the highest rated adventures we played. Yeah, would have to be. As far as having three, having all the players control three characters, that's interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I, I certainly would not recommend. Yeah, as as Lee encountered having all everyone's characters all in the same combat at once, that does feel cumbersome. Um, However, it, it would be interesting to have like a stable of characters that you just kind of draw upon. Like, oh, I, I got a guy for that. 
Um, you have a science situation. Oh, I got a science officer. You have a combat situation. Oh, let me get my security chief of security character. Um, yeah, I mean, it does help to to make the universe seem populated with real people and not just NPCs all over the place. And we do that. We have a lot of characters in our game. Um, most people have like a main character and then a red shirt or, um, you know, they have the traitor characters and whatnot. I think what the problem he's running into is that is that niche protection. If you've got, I've got a doctor and you've got a doctor and Sarah Nicole's got a doctor. Well, any doctor can do anything at any given time, obviously different levels of, of proficiency and whatnot, but I kind of like our setup where there's one, one player per department, more or less. Yeah. And, and then we kind of know who to go to, whose turn it is to do something when something comes up. I mean, that's your traditional D&D group, right? Um, where you have your cleric, you have your barbarian fighter, um, you have a magic user. Um, yeah, everybody has a role to play, right? Um, also, I, I feel like it's um, from an RP standpoint, if I'm a character with three different characters and I'm now having each of those characters has relationships with other player characters. I wait, mm -hmm. wait, who, what does this character think about that character? Okay, so this character likes your character, but my other character hates your character. Oh, wait, which one am I playing now? Like I can imagine the confusion. Um, yeah, can you really keep them distinct? Can you play them differently? Can the uh, can the other players remember? Yeah, you know which of your characters is which and what they're really like. I, I mean, I kind of doubt it. Maybe if you had like literally two or three players, you might want to go that route. Yes, I think that is where you'd want to have multiple characters. Is if you only have a handful. I mean, we are uh, have an embarrassment of riches as far as. The number of players in our group right sometimes it's yep. almost it's almost too much uh but we we love everybody and so we want everyone to play good problem um, to have yeah it's a good problem to have um but yeah yeah I, I suppose you're right i didn't even think about that if you only have a couple of character a couple of players yeah give them each a a couple of characters so you're, you're you're you are able to build that rounded out party and can field um a landing party that can handle any situation Eric, you mentioned the stable of characters concept, and that's something I'm actually a huge fan of in the context of an RPG, of rolling up a whole bunch of different like uh, arrays of stats and not necessarily fleshing out all the characters right away, but, but, uh, but keeping them all in reserve. I really love that character generation concept because then you're not really... Um, designing each character to be um completely like optimized you know they all have like odd strengths and weaknesses that you that you have to play with but you you then get a lot of different options you oh, know uh, i in in the 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 rpgs that i've been running my tendency is to let players try to move their die rolls around to make the character that they want to create However, yeah. I've been more and more, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I just want to have characters roll the dice, take the stats as they are. I mean, you know, have a threshold, right? If you just roll garbage, I don't want, you don't necessarily want garbage characters. You want them to, you know, be exceptional in some way. Um, but let the powerful stats be what they are. 
say roll for strength bam that's that is what it is and if it happens to be if you wanted to play a fighter but you have a low strength score well either you still try to be the fighter with a low strength score or you change your class based uh, to tailor it to your stats or you play the class that you like with suboptimal stats and and have that be your challenge but but let the dice uh let the dice fall as they may right um and and the challenge then is for the player to play the character that fate has created for them i 100 agree and we've yeah. done that in the star trek campaign all the characters were just straight rolled boom strength boom intellect and so on down the line no designing whatsoever and it's been fine yeah it it presents the player with a challenge to to have to work their head around it's very interesting um and i and as you said i think it's worked out really well part of it comes from being experienced rpg years and just kind of having all had a million characters in the past and and knowing this nothing is the end of the world yeah so in this rpg that we use you get to um to improve your character stats over time mm -hmm. And so that that gives you kind of a, a way out. If you really feel stuck with a character, you can actually improve it. And then you get a nice feeling of like, wow, this guy's come a long way. And it makes a cool story. Yeah, I remember, um, gosh, I, I was I was totally maxing out uh, Laurent's dexterity because I wanted him to be like the ace pilot who can ah, reflexes like a cat. Um, and I, what was it? I was justifying it by him doing like training or something. I don't know. He was, he had a training montage, uh, as he was leveling up his stats. Yeah. Um, just spend, well, Eric, spend time with that trainer. We're having a, a lot of fun, but we should probably move on. Lee, Lee does yes. mention at the end of his, uh, well, his message, he says, have you a forum to discuss things? I haven't found the way to do it just yet. Well, Lee has since found it two ways, two answers. Number one, oldschooltrek.proboards.com. That's my forum for talking old school Trek rules. Lee's found that. And then we have our, we have our uh, Discord server, which is accessible if you subscribe to our Patreon. And Lee's on there too. But a lot of cool chats. So bam, bam, bam. Love it. Lee has figured it out though. He didn't need us to tell us, but maybe others. All right. What else we got? Well, we have another message. Um, this one is from Sean. Uh, and Sean says, all right, guys, I've been thinking about this since the end of episode 10 when the request was stated that you'd accept listener-created adventures. Mm -hmm. Ah, I believe I have a scenario for you. My problem, though, is I do not have, nor do I know the rules for the RPG. I assuming the, the Star Trek uh, FASA the melange of rules that we use. Uh, I think I can come up with NPC stats, but I'm really working blind. Any suggestions? How does one create a module without knowing the core rules? Interesting. Interesting. Well, um, we so we have our own rule set, which is mostly based on Michael Scott's Star Trek uh, Adventure Gaming in the Final Frontier, and its supplement... Um, Beyond the Final Frontier from the different worlds. And then for space travel, we use um, Starships and Space Minimal. It looks like he's mostly flailing around for NPC stats. We mostly run FASA modules because we're just mostly going chron chronologically through. And um, I can basically pick out what I need from those um, NPC 
stat blocks, they're on a percentile range. And so I just kind of convert them to like that 3D6 kind of range, you know, and, and they have a different array of skills, but they're mostly along the same lines because it's Star Trek. None of the RPGs, the published RPGs are going to fall really far from the, the apple tree, really, really go too far afield. So really, honestly, Lee, uh, oh, Sean, if you're really familiar with the faster rules or any of these other rule sets, just write for that rule set. If that's where your headspace is at, that's where you're going to write most strongly if you're thinking in terms of that game. If you want our rules that we use, um, we have like a, a player's handbook up on our website, rpgpopclub.com. And that kind of covers like character creation, skills, equipment, some like combat and stuff. You can kind of dig into that stuff if you're really interested. Um, it's not the full rule set, but um, if you have any questions, I can help you out. But honestly, it just doesn't really matter all that much. Just put down what you think is relevant for that character. Um, you know, use your strength, intelligence, wisdom, you know, use luck instead of wisdom. Otherwise, your normal D&D stats, make them 3 to 18 range or 1 to 100 range or whatever. Give them a list of skills that they're good at and we'll more or less take it from there. I, I, mean, I, I really wing so much of this stuff. Yeah. Just, you know, we're trying to get through these adventures in a night and we're playing virtually and we're not like super nitty gritty combat gamers anyway. So, yeah, we, we eyeball the shit out of stuff. So, yeah, I, I think that I um, I've, I've run a module that was built for a completely different uh, rule set. Um, mm -hmm. just, just using the scenarios, taking the cue of like, oh, okay, it's this kind of creature. I have a stat block over here that'll totally work for that creature. Uh, it's, it's, it's fine, really. I mean, it's, as Philip said, right, we totally wing it. As long as you're like having a variety of things to do, right? You want to make sure in your, the course of a game night, right? What do you want to do? You want to introduce the scenario, have some sort of like puzzle or role-playing you want to then mix it up with oh there's some there's there's a, a battle a, a climactic battle and then oh there's and, and then have a resolution at the end there's a plot twist or a reward or something happens right to, to kind of wrap it all up it's the course of a story and you have a variety of things in there for people to play with so if you listen all. to our recaps you know they're curated right we we cut out little clips of stuff out of the full gameplay and often the combats we we totally skip over and it's we're saying, yeah, you know, yeah. you hear like there's some dice got rolled and there were some successes, some failures, but um, that more or less just is like, that's just like, that's some gameplay, but it doesn't really, it's not the meat of the module, is it, Eric? No, it's all about, well, what is the scenario? What are the problems that we have to work and think and role play and whatever it is our way around to get to the goal to solve the problem save the person whatever it is right um i mean that this is traditional rpg scenario right the the module says this is what the mission is here's all the little pieces that exist but then it's up to the players and the DM at the table to figure out what do we do? How do we do that? Now, the, the, the what has been laid out, 
how do we achieve it? That's what comes, that what comes about organically. Yeah. So, I love when modules give you stuff to play with, like, here's a, here's a computer. And when you access the computer, here's some information that you can specifically get from it. Or if you're in the sick bay, here's like a, a sort of a, a, a liquid, like a medicine that you can find or a drug, which can have this effect. Or if you go to this panel, you might do this or that, you know, like just giving you things Little to toys. with. And none of those really depend so much on game mechanics. No. So to me, I mean, we're all like rules like guys here, but like, don't worry about it, man. I know you want something so you can actually do the write-up, but um, yeah, I'd suggest either FASA or if you want um, more information on the um, Star Trek Adventure Gaming and the Final Frontier, the Heritage Rules, um, hit me up and I can show you around the website or whatever. You're on the Sean, uh, I don't know if you're on the Discord. Your name's really familiar to me, but yeah. Um, if not, just email us back and uh, we'll walk you through that part of it. Or just leave it, you know, leave it unfinished. That was a hell of a lot of talking. Yes, Let's move on was. to our episode. To the episode. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. Uh, if you have some thoughts, please write in. We would love to uh, read your mail on the air. Now... As Philip said, to the episode. To the episode. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. Yeah! Hi, I'm Philip Sokoloff. And I'm Sarah Nicole Carter. And this is RPG Pop Club. Each week we play a Star Trek tabletop RPG adventure. And then we review it. Today we are playing The Serpent Factor. And we are joined by one of our players, April. Good to have you with us. Yay! <laughs> Woohoo! We have got such an exciting episode for you today, guys. There's so much going on here. Um, first of all, we watched the episode Elan of Troyes. Great episode. This is the one with the space princess who, like, Kirk is like, I'm going to spank you. And then, like, <laughs> Her tears touch him, and then he's like, I'm going to make out with you. Isn't that every episode of Star Trek? <laughs> it's, it's, an, it's a particularly vivid example of this phenomenon. Man, that's what I want to be when I grow up. The space princess whose tears make men fall in love with me. Perfect. Mm. I want to be spanked by Captain Kirk. <laughs> that's a different show. <laughs> or maybe it's not, actually. <laughs> Who knows? It's one of those it's one of those season three episodes which are kind of like, well, it's not quite up to the standards of the early show, but it's a it's a fun one. It's got Klingons and um, like I said, spanking. There's one scene like where he's making out with her and then like the door opens and it's this perfect shot of of Spock and McCoy, like right in the back of the frame, and they're just standing there watching. And then they're like, Captain. You know, he like turn, does the turn and looks at them. Oh man, classic Trek. I don't know what you don't like about this episode? Everything's not as good as the first one. What are you talking about? This is all the stuff I enjoy the most. Me too. Same. There's, there's no, there's no things that I don't enjoy about it. It's just you know those early season, um, the first two seasons have such like almost movie quality episodes. You know where there's like no wasted time. 
they're not just there's no padding each episode has like um great dialogue rises and falls you know dramatic great stuff anyway sure sure Herb. sure 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 but getting spanked by captain kirk that's all i care about <laughs> she's also like a really cool princess i don't know she's yeah. just awesome yeah yeah well super awesome and wasn't she the first Vietnamese actor to be on American television? Oh, was oh. she? Yeah, I believe so. And our dear listeners, you can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Um, mm. But she knew him from Broadway. They'd mm. been in a, they'd Shatner and she had been in a show on Broadway together. Nice. Okay. Yeah. The built-in so, chemistry. That's he awesome. did. He did a lot of stuff before Star Trek. I want to just like do a series where we just watch all Shatner everything. <laughs> He did a Brothers Karamazov. Did he really? Yeah. He's yeah. in Miss Congeniality 1 and 2. Important. <laughs> you guys, I want to do... Dear gonna... listener, I just need you to know that Phil's face looks crestfallen at that mention. <laughs> I really ruined his night by bringing that up. <laughs> no, I want to watch it now. <laughs> it's the only way I'd be able to get him to watch it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry, Philip. Please tell us about the tell us about the RPG. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing okay. So this is a, a module from a magazine. I think I mentioned this in the last episode that it's not just a Star Trek magazine and not just an RPG magazine, but a Star Trek RPG magazine. And like, well, I'm waiting for my oil change, you know, and I'm in the waiting room, and I'm like, ah busting out the magazine and like reading it i just feel so cool like it's a whole new level of cool yeah dear listeners philip's idea of a whole new level of cool is being at an oil change waiting room (laughs) i'm like looking around like is anybody like noticing like yeah is anybody noticing did you find that people noticed you reading this 19 what well you know <laughs> they're probably trying to ignore the fact that he's <laughs> well they're all on their I cell phones <laughs> i love you too um but uh but it is cool to some degree it is cool to to read old magazines and like a, a magazine about our interest what we're doing this podcast on it, it's just kind of interesting it's a snapshot in time you get to see um old ads from the time and whatnot um, what year was it again? 1984. This is the November 1984 issue of Stardate, mm. which was basically a FASA house organ at this time for for start for their Star Trek RPG. It seemed like a lot of RPG companies in those days would start a, a magazine, and it would run for maybe five or six issues before petering out, or they would sell it or something. Um, this is the um, the special Star Trek three issue. So you remember our last. Our, our last adventure was a, was supposedly a tie-in with Star Trek Three, and it didn't really tie in with Star Trek Three very much. Um, uh, so, so this one is by the adventure is by Pat uh, Pat Larkin, who also wrote Orion Ruse, oh. which is a fun one that we we have already reviewed, mm. and uh, he's he, he's written a few more after this. 
Um, so I'm going to do something unconventional, and I'm going to give my warp score at the beginning of the episode. What? What and is happening? What? Warp, warp factor one. What? So you guys can spend what? the rest of the episode trying to talk me out of this or talk <laughs> me down from this ledge of okay. giving this a warp factor one. Um, what? Dear listeners, <laughs> this is unprecedented news. <laughs> Why? It's like in Romeo and Juliet where they tell you at the beginning, you know, Romeo and Juliet are going to die at the end. And then you spend the whole play like, no, I hope they don't die. And then they die. <laughs> it's for dramatic tension. Let's jump right into our recap, shall we? Wait, you're not going to qualify that at all? You're not going to give your reasons for it? You're going to make, mm -hmm. we're going to do this whole thing and then you'll tell us at the end why? Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is Philip's style. You know this, right? I love he just looked straight into the camera at me and went, yes. Well, I'll, I'll tell <laughs> you this. <laughs> Our format is we're going to play every Star Trek RPG tabletop adventure and then review it. And this is the first one where I opened it. I read this like on a Sunday before our Friday game. And I was just like, I just don't, eh, I just don't want to run this one. I just don't see how I can make it work. And um, well, let's see how it worked. Uh-oh, spoiler alert. So <laughs> Philip doesn't think it worked well. Let's talk about it. All right, kick us off, Sarah Nicole. As our story began, our Klingon characters, Klull, Kasia, Kogroon, Magrilla, and Amog were working undercover at Federation Starbase 11. All you Klingon characters have, have gone deep undercover. You've been surgically modified to look like humans, which for original series Klingons is usually not a big deal. Um, you just kind of like got to shave. Um, no, I do. Sarah Nicole, your character is definitely established to have Imperial Klingon, the Imperial Klingon Ridge. So, um, so we're going to have a special role for you where you are not disguised as a as a human, but you you wear like elaborate veils and hats and stuff um, <laughs> to keep yourself disguised. Oh, I love that. I've always wanted. I'm so happy. And um, and of course, you still have to show the cleavage because that'll keep people's eyes diverted. Everybody needs to have a uh, an alternate identity, you know, some sort of like generic human sort of name. Captain Klull Sutai Varsok. I got so you. I'm going to go first. I'm going to choose a real generic name. I'm going to be uh, John Jarvis. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> Yeah. Lieutenant Commander Kogroon Tai Ooz. Yes, I'm Eric. Um, Bobson Dugnut. Nice. Oh my God. What, Bobson Dugnut? There's got to be a story behind that name. Eric, jump on and tell us all about it. Yeah, hey, here I am. So, back in the old original Nintendo days, um, there was a baseball game um i believe it was called yeah oh i'm sorry it was super nintendo and it was fighting the game was called fighting baseball and it was made in japan and the story is they can't the developers needed everybody to sound like they're they're english 
mm-hmm. but they didn't actually like make English names. They just like were names that sounded English. So it, it's things like they had Believe McDykel <laughs> and like uh, Darrell Archideld and like Anatoly Smorin and it just like I'm just reading the list of names and then one of them my favorite one was Bobson Dugnut so like it's just this wonderful list of names so I'm thinking like oh if I'm a Klingon like I don't actually know what a human name is Bobson Dugnut that sounds like like human so it's like us when we try and make like Klingon names like my name is Buck just just blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> turns the tables it's just nonsense right it I'm sounds human. like like Bobson. it's vaguely vaguely of the right language but the, anybody who actually is of that language like made kind of i guess that's a english name sure bob bobson so, <laughs> claudier that's, that's 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 my story i can't I'm believe it there. had a knee or it had a story behind it i'm shook it by this information yeah, fighting baseball i now need to go i'm sad that it's not on the switch yet i gotta go find it and go play it now mm-hmm Awesome. Great story. So, (laughs) (laughs) Lieutenant Keja Tai Joris. What do you got, Ava? I'll be Starla Loveheart, courtesy of Lydia. (laughs) It's quite good. Yeah. Thank you. Lieutenant Mogrilla Tai Zardox. Val? Val Kiri. Okay, great. I think I have a hat that's appropriate for that. Amazing. Mm-hmm. There we go. Well, and Commander Amog Vestai Kolkash. Lieutenant Balnuts. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Just amazing. It's just an, an homage to your fallen comrade, Cocktai Balls. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Sacrifice himself yeah. in a blaze of glory yeah. to take down uh, Renegade General. Good times. So, John Jarvis, Bobson Dugnut, Starla Loveheart, and Valkyrie um, are all in a room. Can they what talk to wearing? each other now? You may now talk to one another. Hello. Hi. Hi, <laughs> this coffee. We are called to a mission of the utmost urgency and importance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this will bring your lines great honor and glory. I have learned of a Federation research effort with enormous military potential. The Interphase Gun Project. One of my sources, a foolish Starfleet communications officer stationed at Starbase 11, gave me the information. This officer, Lieutenant Samuel Skinner, allowed his romantic interest in me to override both his common sense and his service oath. In an attempt to please me, he soon found himself feeding me information about Starfleet communications. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. I trained my interest in Starfleet dispatches by telling him that I worked for a merchant cartel with extensive operations along the Federation frontier. 
Needless to say, the hapless lieutenant never got close enough to me to discover my alien nature. Fortunately for me, Skinner was on duty when McDonald's report on the interphase gun arrived. He only overheard a portion of the report, but even those few details were enough to set me in motion. Naturally, the unfortunate Skinner died in a freak air car accident shortly after passing his information along. <laughs> we have been ordered to steal a copy of McDonald's original report and get it back to the Empire. I have been informed that a Klingon warship will be waiting to receive the data at a rendezvous point just outside the Federation. By using every contact, favor, and blackmail victim I've accumulated in years of service on Terra, I've been able to obtain Starfleet uniforms and forged identity cards, allowing access to the Starbase 11 comm center. Yeah. One of the forged documents authorizes the bearer to conduct a routine memory test on the comm center computer. I believe that it should be possible to break into the classified sections of the computer's memory bank while carrying out such a test. Though I warn that it will be difficult and that failure at any point will trigger, uh, will trigger alarms of increasing magnitude. I have arranged transportation to the rendezvous point aboard a tramp fighter? A tramp fighter? Are you kissing the spider? A trap freighter. Oh. Oh, fine. I thought you were saying she was a tramp. And I was like, rude. Okay, sorry. <laughs> transportation to the rendezvous point aboard a tramp freighter, the SS Vera. Our Kinshasa is taken over the vessel temporarily, but none of the others on board have been told the truth. Instead, the crew believes that they are picking up a group of merchants bound for a world just outside the border. A small shuttlecraft from the Vera will be waiting for us at one of the Starbase's smaller hangars once we have made a copy of the Interphase Gun Report. <laughs> Excellent. Indeed. That's your monologue, Santa Cole. Amazing. I forgot that existed. I think I'm going to excerpt that from my demo reel. Maybe, uh... <laughs> Use it as my new monologue in audition. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it was me. I was like, oh, that's a good character voice. Who's doing that? Pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a lot, guys. I hope everyone got that. Yeah. So this is, so let's back up a bit. Okay. So the PCs are the Klingons, right? Our Klingon PCs, but they're in disguise as humans and they're aboard Starbase 11. And they're supposed to steal the report, the the interface gun report from our Ghosts of Conscience episode, right? That's why we keep calling it the McDonald report. And Lyshasa, we've established, has like been aboard the uh, the Vera, so she's going to be the transport for the Klingon crew. So it's a three-way crossover to all our campaigns. So three-way crossover. That's cool to us. So the crew studied the Starbase blueprints. You guys, it says there's a bat. There's a bathroom. Sure, but it it just says bat, so I just want to see a bat when I'm in there. What kind of bat? 
<laughs> True that. Eric seems to think that it means bathroom, but I say it means uh, bathroom. It's just a room full of baseball bats, bats and fruit bats. Bats and bats means batteries. There's abbreviations key at the top. B is bathroom. Bat is batteries. Um, no. Does it stand for crew pack? No. Weird. Too bad. You guys, you guys all show up at the bat at the batteries, and, and like you're like stripped to the waist, like you get towels around your waist, like all right, we're ready for the bath. <laughs> Draw the bath, fellow human. Friend. Hello, humans hello, also humans. enjoy baths. Hello, hello humans. <laughs> <laughs> human today. How are you all humaning? <laughs> are you all ready to run away and not face combat? <laughs> <laughs> That I think that won the night, Eric. Okay. <laughs> Are you guys ready to run away and not face combat? <laughs> As humans do. I'm like weeping a little. Way to upstage my monologue, my triumph. Rude. Also, fruit bat. Wasn't that you? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, <laughs> Just out of nowhere, bat. fruit bat. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. While her more human-looking comrades went to steal the data, Valkyrie wa waited aboard the Vera. You, you've been given the cabin on the ship. You keep the lights low in there, and you kind of just, like, sit so that when anyone opens the door, they just sort of see your silhouette, and you like, greetings. Yeah. So that, that'll be throughout the adventure. Okay. All right. Um, but uh, you guys... But we're wearing clothes that look like you're wearing clothes, but then it's a silhouette of just naked. You know how they do? It's yeah. like a diaphanous robe, but your arms naked, but the lighting's weird. So it's not just clarifying. Yes. <laughs> In your spare time, please draw a picture. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know. This sort of shit happens in all of our gameplays. We just left a lot of it into the recap this time. Because, you know, you know, it's because the best this part. was rated a one by you. So. <laughs> <laughs> that we still have fun. Also, because apes and I are going to give it scores that are based on this. You right? should. You probably will. Absolutely, you should. Right? Like, yeah, we had fun though, because we talked about fruit bats. All mm. right. The crew's mission was to steal the data from the Federation's interphase gun project and deliver it to the Klingon Empire. John Jarvis, Bobson Dugna, and Starla Loveheart took the turbo lift up to the station services level. Entry to the comm center was blocked by two security guards. Yeah, we're doing a routine memory test. Check the uh, okay, just have to memory. scan your IDs. They entered the communication center, a large room circular like a ship's bridge with dozens of computer terminals all around the walls. Starla Loveheart is given a console and starts trying to hack it, while Bobson Dugnut tries to distra distract the officer on duty. I could use a coffee. Do you know any good Klingon jokes? A Klingon and a human walked into a bar. Yeah, <laughs> I like it already. <laughs> the human got his ass kicked. I want a venti latte, vanilla latte, okay? Make it delicious. 
you're getting black. How fast <laughs> can Klingons run? How, how fast? Warp speed. <laughs> That's amazing. Killing it, Eric. <laughs> Eric's episode. Also, can you hear a mad, angry cat in the background? Can you hear yeah. her or hear him? He's so this, angry. This episode, that... we're going to be eating and, and fielding plenty of cat and child issues as yeah. we go through. But my favorite was, you're getting it black. <laughs> Amazing. Did you Google that joke? Did you know that, that joke? The wharf speed? Yeah. No, I Googled it. I was at that, with the first one, I was like, the human got his ass kicked. I'm like, oh, I don't want to feel flat. I better, better look for a real joke. So I can't write one on the fly to save my life. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of your Googling. Starla Loveheart wasn't very good at hacking, so Bobson Dugnut took over the console while others took over the distracting. Do you know what the Klingon hairdresser said? What What did he it's say? A day to die. Ah, that's great. That's a good one. They should probably make some Starfleet uh, toilet paper so you can help wipe the Klingons off your anus. Oh, that is great. <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> Meanwhile, Bobson Dugnut made three or four successful int checks and successfully downloaded the data on the interface gun onto a stack of floppies. They took their leave and headed to the shuttle. Walking away normally. Human walking. I'll be ready, guys. Human walking. <laughs> <laughs> Humans do not have the confident strut of a Klingon. <laughs> we must walk like we are cowards inside. Eric. <laughs> I, I was kind of on fire that night, wasn't I? MVP, yeah. man. Amazing. Yeah. The new star of the episode. Rude. Um, I also think stack of floppies. We need to go back yeah. to that. <laughs> 1980s, baby. Technology doesn't get any better. Stack of Floppies is our new band name. <laughs> well, they always have those data cards on the show, and they, they look just like three and a half inch discs. Yeah. They eventually came out. So I call them floppies. <laughs> and they always... Mom called them floppies. <laughs> I'm sorry. to the shuttlecraft bay where the rendezvous or where they rendezvoused with Vera's shuttlecraft there they met a male Orion please come inside and you can tell me more of your Starfleet history or merchant contacts or can I all get right. you all anything to drink you know I've had a lot of coffee can you show me where the bathroom is on the shuttle? Uh, <laughs> Just gotta hold it, dude. Well, I do have a Gatorade bottle here, but it is mostly full already. I hope you don't mind. I will admit I was expecting a little more, a little less public uh, merchant attire. Your Starfleet uniforms have taken me a bit by surprise. Do you happen to have, other than the passphrase, the keywords that we were previously 
agreed upon my identification or the information about why you might be wearing these uniforms. Well, what are your credentials as well? Why, I am a humble trader and scientist and engineer, a polymath, if you will. I'm also quite interested in the practice of uh, combining flesh and machinery. (laughs) I've had some experience with this. Uh, And I am, of course, an Orion. But you can tell that from the tone of my skin, rich, beautiful green. I'm not one of these disgusting, ruddy Orions or these gray (laughs) (laughs) Rude. Rude. The shuttle had a bumpy flight and a rough time docking in Vera's small shuttle bay. Uh, They were greeted by Lyshasa, who was, of course, part of the Klingon campaign, part of Klo's crew. But in a previous adventure, we had established that she had seduced Petrenko and was taken aboard the Vera. Now she's claiming that uh, he left her in charge. So right. what's what is Audrey's current disposition, April? Is, is he on the ship or is he just? Uh, oh yeah, he's on the ship. Out? He's completely tuckered out. Um, okay. He just, hmm. is, yeah, he completely is immobile. I fucked him too hard. You know, I know this ship is like a total crap place, but you know, whatever. It's a terrible ship, but whatever. She'll be fine. She'll hold up. It's really not a problem. Um, so yeah, I think. Uh, what, what was she called valkyrie yeah that's right uh valkyrie is like waiting for you in her cabin and um you know we've moved some shit out of some of the rooms so you guys can have a place to sleep or whatever i'm sure it'll suck but whatever you'll be fine um so yeah welcome aboard thank you um, thank, thank you. you can you show me where the bathroom is i've been holding it for a while nice callback <laughs> So Jorn led them to Valkyrie's cabin. But for the fun of this, it's in the middle of the floor, sunken into the ground. There's beautiful foliage. It's a Roman bath. Juice bar laid out ready. (laughs) Hell yeah, man, I get in. That's it. I'm ready for bath time. Valkyrie ordered Jorn out of the room. Remember, Jorn was not part of the conspiracy. He was not part of the Klingon crew. And he did not know that they were Klingons or what they were up to. Yeah, I have like a, I have like a 1950s bath cap on. Yeah. With flowers, you know. Can I roll to see if uh, she's overcome by my pheromones and and invites me into the bath? You know, he succeeded on that roll. Romance. (laughs) (laughs) Stone Nicole's favorite segment. Please let us be. We have to have a discussion. We always I have our discussions in the bath. I believe that this lady invited me into the bath. I am feeling like a bath would be not- wonderful at this moment. I'd definitely go to that juice bar and get us some juices, and then everybody can talk while you're pouring it. All right, I come stomping down there, and I'm oh. like, um, Jorn, what the hell? You made me get up. Are you going to come like take care of the ship and shit? Like, somebody's uh, got to fly this thing. No, I have been invited by our guests to take part in their <laughs> curious the human bath juice and bath you. ritual. <laughs> have you, you always had juice and bath ritual? <laughs> have you always had that accent for this character, April, or is that something you were trying out? I think it was something I was trying out at that point. I well, just I wanted to give her something. I don't know. It's amusing. 
Jazz her up. <laughs> I love a character voice. Yeah. Me too. Jorn finally left to tend to his duties, and the Klingons were finally able to huddle. Okay, so let me get you back up to speed, okay? It's kind of important, so just it's going to take a second because there was a lot of info, and so I don't want to throw you off. So we'll get right to it. Um, where do Klingons store their leftovers? <laughs> 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 it is zip lock. So we got to get to the Empire, so we need to go to the rendezvous point to meet the Klingon warships. Important. It's important. After several days of warp travel, sensor scans pick up the presence of NCC 500. The Saladin! Saladin! Lyshessa is anxious to avoid them. Jorn doesn't understand her motives, but he agreeably rigs up a crybaby. I'm trying to manipulate the, the antimatter particles left by the warp nacelles so that uh, it will sort of lead them a different direction. Cry, baby, cry. Well, the ruse works. Or perhaps the Saladin was not chasing them after all, just traveling on a similar route. A few days later... Um, so you guys, uh, do you want to like come to my cabin and like have a poker night? I've got like a huge juice bar and um, yeah. yeah. Poker, I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is the whole time, as soon as you said it, I was thinking it in my head. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Future me agrees with past me. While Jordan was on watch, the rest of us played some games of chance. Starla Loveheart was the big winner of the night. There was much delightful frivolity until John burst into the room with his needler. Oh my God, John! Like, what? What is your problem? And I start like pushing him, <laughs> kind of falling around him while I'm pushing him, trying to get him out the door. Just like I have go important away. questions that must be answered, like how much we are getting paid and why the Saladin is following us. Laishasa, is the are these credits your own or do they belong to the ship's fund? I don't know. Like I just this is just what I saw lying around. So uh, yeah. Uh, Whatever. It's mine. It's my ship today. So of course it's mine. <laughs> they had a big fight. Laishasa burst into tears. Jorn harvested the tears, just like from the episode, right? And he dragged her by the hair and threw her into the brig to sleep it off. And then he returned to the helm. Um, and he locked her out of the ship's credit account. <laughs> the Klingons were all drunk, so they went to bed. Uh, but that night, John Jarvis heard a noise. Late at night, you hear like a, a whining sound outside your door. Sort of a... Amazing fully work. <laughs> I always can get a comment out of you from those, Santa Cole. So. I love them. <laughs> like, we should clip that and use it for something. Perfect. Beep, beep, boop. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Um, 
he went to investigate, but whoever it was ran away. And the next morning, Valkyrie led Lyshasa out of the brig. Everybody spent a chill day playing bocce, but they began to notice that the hum of the warp engines began to decrease in pitch. Um, seriously, Jorn, what the hell? You are missing a compression oh coil and we will be left drifting in space. If you have a problem with this, take it up with Petrenko. I've asked him several times. Get a goddamn oh. extra compression coil. So the Vera will break down in 12 hours. Ballnuts hopped on the ship's scanners and located a small human <laughs> a small human colony. <laughs> On a jungle planet called Tanar 9. We are human, so we can go to a human colony. <laughs> they had 24 hours to effect repairs if they wished to make their rendezvous. Once landed, the PCs head off to the starport to negotiate for the compression coil. They successfully purchased it with 10 kegs of juice, plus some credits, and returned to the ship. Well, most of them. I have some other business to attend to. No, we don't have time. To the ship. Yes, we do have time. Oh, Jordan, you're back. Yes, well, I'm wondering what uh, may be of interest to Starfleet to find information about uh, certain... Uh, um, uh, posing perhaps as uh, Starfleet officers, what value would there be in such a thing? I wonder. I love his like. <laughs> what to say? Like even thinking in character voice. Valkyrie <laughs> <laughs> well, followed Jorn and overheard the dastardly scheme. Well, I'm gonna go back to the ship and be like. My boyfriend, John, has betrayed us. <laughs> <laughs> well, Leishasa successfully installed the compression coil, John Jarvis ordered Bullnuts to beam Jorn back aboard the ship and to take off. Yeah, mid-car ride, they both start hearing this interesting sound. Ah, come get me. No, 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 no. <laughs> Right, so they beamed Jorn back onto the ship, and with him back in their clutches, the Klingons agreed to pay him more in order to secure his loyalty if he would see them safely to the Klingon border. It was so this is Commander Mc... Oh, that clap. Sorry. Go ahead, Sir Nicole. It was smooth sailing for the following week. The Vera was about 15 hours away from its rendezvous. Suddenly, they encountered a ship moving on an intercept course at warp 6.5! This is Commander McGillicuddy, commanding the USS <laughs> Cody. Identify yourselves and conform to my course. Well, usually when we come across another ship, it's, it's an invitation to adventure. Tell you what, stand by to receive a boarding party. We're beaming over. Why? Like a fun adventure. I start to explore your ship. They come on board <laughs> and I just immediately start dancing. Okay. So you guys are meeting them in the, in the transporter room? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we throw a party. We bring out the juice. Well, you know how this ends. There were successful <laughs> seduction rolls. And, you know, it was all role played out. And there was bocce ball and general great time had by all. Jordan was apparently successfully bought off since he didn't try to sell them out. And yeah, that was it. The Cody went on his merry way. And the Vera met 
with the Atropos, where Captain Klull resumed his command, having completed their mission successfully. Yay! <laughs> Why don't you like it, Phil? Because we did nothing but dick around on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was the adventure. I, I have so much to tell you about this adventure. <laughs> um, okay, the, the most important point is that well, there's there's two two issues I have with this. Number one, it's linear, so all the scenes that happened in in the in the um, recap, those were exactly how it was in the module. First, you encounter a ship, then something breaks down. You have to go to a planet, then you meet another ship. Right, so everything is exactly pre-programmed. Oh, there's also um, the party that Leishasa threw. Yeah, I remember being very confused as to why I had to invite everyone for poker, but I was like, okay, whatever. Oh, that was in there? Yeah. All Ew. Your character, Sarah Nicole, um, the the character that um, that Aaron took played and the character that you, April, played mm -hmm. were all NPCs in the module. And so it would have been this whole, um, like, let's watch the NPCs have a fight, the captain and the first mate quarreling, the captain getting drunk, and the mate selling them out, and, um, and you, Sarah Nicole, as the, like, the, the patron. Like, so you had your whole speech at the beginning. That was basically from the, from the module. It was way more entertaining than if I were just to read it to you mm -hmm. in, in my character voice. So at least I involved you guys, and... Um, I think that's probably the only reason why we did not have a crappy night. That... But but I had to like text you and be like, okay, yeah. now you should throw a party or like now you should storm in or now, you know, text Aaron, like now you should storm in on this and whatever. So it makes for a fun recap, but it's really us just hamming up almost a scripted. Well, and that's the thing. Nothing really happened. Like we, like we fought on it. Like we just sat on a ship basically and like oh something broke down like it was just yeah yeah that's interesting all right yeah so, like so that's why human here here's what it took me all week agonizing over how to run this was that this is written as a as a tie-in with star trek 3 and remember at the beginning of star trek 3 there's that ship and it's stolen the genesis project data and it's got Valkris on board and the Klingons rendezvous with it. And then they blow it up because she looked at the data. Remember that whole scene? Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is supposed to be the ship from the movie. I didn't want to advance the timeline to the, to the movie timeline because all of our aesthetics, all of our tech, uniforms, costumes, everything that we do is, is in the original series era. Um, so instead I tied it in with the um, Ghost of Conscience and the interface gun um, data that you guys had uh, mm -hmm. uh, researched in that episode. So that when I made that connection, then it then everything kind of fell into place. Um, so so I thought that was a, a good way to like at least have an Easter egg and like you know expand kind of the lore of our yeah. campaign. Um, and then in the module, Instead of starting on a starbase, uh, it starts on um, the space dock, which is orbiting Earth. You know, there's that big that thing that they escape from in the movie. You know, they dock and then they have to steal the Enterprise from. Um, so, 
that was kind of more daunting to deal with than just like a, a star base. I was able to use the um, uh, the, the K7 station uh, blueprints, you know, from a Trouble with Tribbles, mm -hmm. this uh, module, and uh, it all seemed so much more manageable. It's the idea you were cut out on the frontier at Starbase 11, which was the Starbase where you guys were sent out from in the Ghost of Conscience. But for your information, there are, um, for whatever reason, I didn't find this at the time, there is a layout and not really deck plans, but just some information on space dock in the module. Um, so it's you have to you have to in, in within the magazine. It's later in the magazine. It's a rainbow. Oh, okay. It's got. It just looks yeah. It's, it's a rainbow penis. <laughs> oh my god, April. Sorry, it's that's what it looks like. How dare you look at one of these maps from one of these books and liken it to a penis? <laughs> <laughs> That's totally off-brand for us. 100% off-brand. And also, it would be off-brand for them if it didn't look like a penis. That's at this true. Point. That's a good point. It's kind but, of mandatory. But here's a very interesting nugget. These This Space Doc article is by Michael Scott. What? Our friend of the show, Michael Scott? Michael Scott, who wrote Star nice. Trek obscure RPGs in, back in the 70s, apparently came back for this. Um, a light and treat, and we yeah. didn't use it. <laughs> oh no! We didn't use it. Well, it's, um, it's kind of bare bones. It would have been okay for this for the sake of this module. Basically, all you need to know is like, well, you take a, an elevator up, and then you come in on this deck, and um, you role play it all out. So I mean, the the idea of being on that sounds cool and fun, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so basically, I think my adaptation made sense for us. Mm -hmm. And then and then it clicked in the idea of using Lyshasa since we'd established that she was with the Vera crew. Yep. And it helped us use the Vera with her and Jorn. Aaron's Klingon character died. So we then had, you know, an opening for him to use his character as the traitor, a very kind of obvious character to use as a traitor. Mm -hmm. And so that all kind of clicked into place. Um, but again, it, it took me a week of brainstorming to come up with this and then just kind of boom, now you guys play it out how I've imagined it. And there wasn't really any agency that you guys had except to like, you know, make it all about sex and bathrooms on the shuttlecraft and whatever. <laughs> um, and my very favorite thing was um, the- Aaron, <laughs> Eric's quips. Eric, yeah, just just the, the, the idea of Klingons being like, here's how I think a human would be and like, and the way you guys did it was just so hilarious. So having that opportunity was very fun. How long is the how long is the module? Like how many pages? Like what are we working with oh, here? Four or five pages, maybe. Any maps? If you don't, if you don't count that, uh, no space maps. Hmm. If you don't count that space dock plans, which I guess you have to. Yeah, it's actually seven pages. It's kind of got a lot. But just an explanation. I mean, some of the stuff in the gameplay um, was straight out of the the module stuff, like um, uh, the 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 guy who wants to hear Klingon jokes, and that's how you distract him. Just details like that are all in the module. Um, and uh, some of the stuff that we kind of skimmed over, a lot of stuff on the planet. Um, about how you can negotiate for stuff and how you can how the guy is going to go and sell you out and how you can like track him down and stuff 
All right, so to give this module a little bit of credit um, where I think Philip doesn't find it is, is that they actually give us stuff to role play with. Like the whole jokes thing, I actually love that that's in the module because there's so much we can do with that on our own. And same thing with the poker party. Like it felt awkward when I had to do it. I was like, um, guys, let's play some poker. <laughs> um, however, again, it gave us a lot to go with in terms of role playing, which, um, you know, which there's some modules where it's just like, we're gonna hack and slash and, you know, we're gonna look at some deck plans. And there's, and for me, that's, that's too dry. I don't know what to do with that stuff, you know? So I like that they gave us some incentive for role-playing. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I Sometimes when we, we know we have so much to do to get to the end, mm -hmm. right? And we're trying to knock these out in one or two sessions per module, you know, to try and I'm like, oh man, like what episode did we do that or what module was it where we had to basically come up with a full military tactics Termination 1456. Oh my goodness, right? Even thinking about it now, stress. That's stress. And sometimes something's just so simple that maybe wasn't as fun for you as the DM. We had a blast apparently with this. Yeah. Thinking back to it. And maybe it was because it was linear too, because it took some of the onus off of us to figure out how to get to the conclusion we needed to get to. And having those details that again it's pain in the tush for you to have to text everybody but it is delightful as a player when you get a text from the dm it or is. an email from the dm it is the best little present you can give us because we feel like our character is special and doing something cool and unique right yeah. and we have a place in this anchor in the gameplay and this is something unique and cool for us a little gift yeah. given us phil i love that shit so something to be said with that because there have been so many role-playing games that i've been a part of in various scenarios i mean we i've mo mostly role-played with you guys throughout my life but i've also been to a couple conventions and whatever else and it is so easy to get lost with big personalities and people who just can't stop talking or whatever you know and 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 i'm i have a tendency to, to step into the background if i don't know what to do with my character if I'm not fully in immersed in the character and have, you know, and have something to do. And so having those specific things emailed, sent out, like I love that Philip uses NPCs on occasion for the character for our, our, our PCs and changes the NPCs to be us playing them. Um, because it really does give us a lot more to do and makes it more fun for everybody else. You know? Every time you've used that mechanic, I guess, of making a PC play an NPC. I, every time I have personally done it, I have had a very fun time because I've been in on the secrets a little bit or, you know, been in the, you know, been having the look at the cards, right? And it makes you feel, I don't know, it just, it makes you feel like you're really pushing the adventure forward. Yeah. I love it when you do that. And so I, any DMs or GMs who are listening who haven't maybe used that tactic before or haven't thought about doing that with their players, I would really suggest trying it out with your groups and seeing if it's something that works for them as well because from the player perspective it's very successful yeah i really enjoy it yeah i agree trust your players let them like let them co-dm almost give them special roles they love that 
It's much better than if I'd played the NPCs myself. Yeah. That's you that's... talk too much as it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, why should it be on me? And, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's just one less thing for me to have to worry about, and and one thing for me to sit back and enjoy. You notice I rarely put my own clips on these um, uh, recaps. It's really you guys doing all the the creativity, and I've always really felt that. Um, no matter how much prep I've put into a game, no matter how brilliant the backstory or the, the intricacy of the plot, what's memorable is what the players do in the game. Yeah. And so, yeah, I always love what comes out of any session that we got, that we do. And I should mention that there, there is more fun stuff um, in our gameplay than, than we even included in the recap. Yeah. There's so many, so many jokes. It, obviously the compression coil was like a, a reference to Firefly for us, but it was something else in the module. Same thing with the crybaby cry. There's a crybaby, but there were so many things like uh, Star Wars references and stuff, just flying fast and furious. Great fun. So, so there's some place in the world for this kind of module where it's just kind of like, here's a structure that we can hang our hat on and just riff on and ham it up. Yeah, I have to and say, that's okay. if, if you've been, you know, if you if your group has been doing like a, a big intense campaign like the, the whatever the, the termination termination mm -hmm. yeah um do, doing a big campaign like that one this might be a nice like in between two heavy campaigns to just lighten up and and encourage role playing um i mean to me that seems like a, a good place for this particular one i i have a tendency to hate linear campaigns but if it, because this one had that incentive for role playing, I would not rate this a one, um, because I I feel like we we were able to get a lot out of it in that sense. A lot of it had to do with Philip's having us play the NPCs, but still. This one's for the ladies. <laughs> yeah, to me, Termination fourteen fifty six is like well, it's the high water mark of our whole game so far, and I gave it a ten. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting that it plays out differently every time. It's versatile. It's modular. It's it's so interesting. It has so many Star Trek -y elements. And this one is, um, well, it's not up to that standard at all. But I'm I'm glad that I told you guys right at the beginning that I was going to give it a one, give you guys that opportunity to stand up for it. And I, I fully expect you guys to to give it a more charitable rating than one. It often. Um, you know, the, the GM side of the experience is just one side of it. Yeah. And it's a valid side, but it's not the only side. So if you guys had fun with it, score it as you see fit. As you see fit. I'm going to mention one other factor which made this work for our campaign, which was that having played Termination 1456 should have been a triumph for the Klingon crew. And then you're um, you're put in this kind of like disgraceful situation of having to be undercover as humans. And that helps tie in. Remember I mentioned that there's a sequel to Termination 1456 in which Krator is actually alive. So I didn't explain this uh, in this session, but um, any GMs planning to, to play these campaigns should should know this is a, you can, you can basically use this how we did, which was to say, the Krator thing did not actually go well. Something went wrong. Krator actually is alive and escaped. So the Klingons are disgraced because of that. So that kind of helps sort them out and give them an opportunity to, to redeem themselves. 
But of course, the interface gun report in our campaign was incomplete, and that just was what it was. That that David only uh, had destroyed the the actual weapon information and only kept the information proving that it was uh, not a good weapon to use. But that was fine. Cool. Cool. <laughs> you guys go back to talking about about dongs. On us. Like it's just us. It's just me and April. <laughs> We're the only people who talk about dongs on this podcast. <laughs> I'm pretty Dude. sure it's not just us. <laughs> not just um, us. Shout out to Aaron. Also, great job with yeah. his portrayal, of course. We love oh, that, this, that, love that character becomes one of my favorite characters. Shout out to John for sliding that joke in. Perfect. <laughs> it's amazing. Shout out to everybody in our group. Dave for the last line, everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Dave for his character name. <laughs> Which I have to giggle at every time. <laughs> Eric for fruit bats. Everybody for everything. Good job all around. Um, I think this yeah. is sometimes when our group shines, except for in the case of the trouble with triples again. But usually when the there isn't a lot of meat, we're mm -hmm. like, ah, this is lean. Let us fill it in. Ha ha ha. <laughs> And then sometimes I think when it's a really robust module, sometimes we're like, oh, too much. What do we do? Let's spend mostly, an hour and a half talking me about and you. it. Maybe not some of the some of the other boys, but <laughs> yeah. All um, right, guys. Shall wait, we give oh. it a warp factor score? Yeah, but Phil, did anybody else review it? Oh no. No, no one else reviewed this. It's a it's a module within a magazine. It's, it's more obscure, obviously, than a standalone module. See, usually you would publish a, a, a review of a module in a magazine. Because you're saying, yeah, you should buy it or you should not buy it. But a module in a magazine is not going to get reviewed in that same magazine or another magazine. So I'm kind of weirdly into these modules that are tucked into magazines, right? Yeah, I have a Cthulhu one as well. I'm kind of I, I don't know. It's it's such like a weird thing to exist, right? We talked about how like with the Gorn one, it was 48 pages, and it really could have been six, you know. So that lean format, um, really, there's 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 no limitation to how great uh, a, a magazine module could be. They're always cool, like little discoveries for us and um, usually good for a, a night's adventure, which is what we're looking for. So, yeah. And these, these magazines all have other stuff, you know, other articles, which are interesting. Um, so they're a good purchase. Um, they have other ship, they have ships that they detail and stuff. And usually that they, they then use the ship in the adventure, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, I'm a fan. Cool. Let's warp vector it up. Oh, we're not going to put April on trial, right? Let's... Why would I be on trial? Exactly. Like, seriously. <laughs> For your character voice. No, like, you are perfect. Perfect. I mean, we completed our mission, so yeah, if I can go. Um, we haven't put yeah. humanity on trial in a while. And I guess she would be humanity. She would be Orion on trial. 
Yes. Well, I think I think that segment is like it's really John on trial. Let's be real. <laughs> and John did wonderfully. So there you Amazing. go. Yeah. Warp factor score. Okay. Well, I'll go first. Warp factor one. <laughs> Not recommended at all. It's classic. Uh, it's it's a very specific tie-in to a very specific movie, and and I think that's unsatisfactory right on right on the um, on the face of it. It's a it's a prelude. So if you played it as written, your characters get blown up at the end of it. So I don't, I don't think that's right. that. What? That? Well, because in the movie they get blown up at the beginning. Remember by the oh, Klingon yeah. ship. Yeah. Wow, Philip, I think you're on trial. <laughs> you're on trial for making the, the module better <laughs> um but but just even going off our, our gameplay night it was just not my favorite um having to to puppeteer the players you know i know you guys enjoy it but uh it's not not my favorite so um okay, you keep texting us shit because it's yeah, so fun I'll text you guys stuff, but not like you should now do this, but more like here's some information. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What, that was more fun. <laughs> Plenty of adventures we can do that. So All right. yeah. All right, you stop talking. I'm going to give this <laughs> Go. I'm gonna give this module a four. And I'm giving the reason why I'm giving it a four is because I had fun and the module itself actually gave me some things to have fun with. However, it was a linear module. I hate, I hate linear modules. I just, especially once I know that, it just, it just makes me mad. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, but also I do feel like there is a place for this in that lighthearted, you know, you need a break from an intense game, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think the four, a four is the highest I could give it. It's the comedy after the 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 tragedy. Yeah, um, it's just not a very good comedy. <laughs> And it was your opportunity to be a ship's captain. Yeah, it was. So. And I played it cool. like how I would feel if I was actually a ship's captain. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is a crappy ship. What do I care? Oh, yeah, I was supposed to tell everybody that the ship was ready to break down. And I didn't, I still don't understand what the point of that necessarily was. Like why I was supposed to tell everybody that the ship was terrible. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what I was supposed to do. Okay. Because I think it sets you up for the breakdown episode later where you have to stop at the planet. Oh, yeah. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Theater. It, it, Theater. But that's the thing. This I feels think, more like a play that we were, you know, reenacting. I think it's our were, improv where yeah. they throw us stuff and then we improv. <laughs> that's playing RPGs. That's true. <laughs> yes, and little choices, giving gifts. <laughs> active listening somebody's been taking improv for the past year <laughs> i think if you were playing it as written there might be some question of who was the traitor or who was selling you out or who you couldn't trust between the the captain and the first mate mm. um lots of modules have that element and it's never never hard for the players to really yeah. figure it out um but i think that might have been a little misdirection a little light misdirection mm. Okay, Sarah Nicole. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to tell you why I'm giving it things. I'm going to give it a point for 
the directing the players to make Klingon jokes, that gets it a point. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to give it a point because Michael Scott did one thing in this. So <laughs> yeah. Point for that. Shout out to our boy. Scotty, we love you. And I loved your map. And so you that it gets a point for that. We love your rainbow map, Scotty. You're the man. You are the man. Um, friend of the show. Uh, it gets a point because I had a luxurious monologue. And that is the end of my point giving out. It gets a warp factor three from me. And if I hadn't known Michael Scott was involved in it in any way, it would have received a two. I think we probably, okay, I have two questions. Number one, Philip, if we didn't play this, would you be able to get us to the next step in our Klingon campaign? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He would have, he would have figured something out like he always does. Sure, I know that Phil with his big, big sexy brain could have gotten us there, but do you think that we needed this in any way to link us to where we're going next in our Klingon campaign? No, it was, it was really a non sequitur and, um, I only thought it was a cool tie in for it to say, you know, to try tie in with the Krador resurrection was to be, basically say that this was like showing that they were in disgrace. Um, but I was kind of fudging it. I mean, just in terms of time, I guess the, the campaigns are really synced up. So we don't really know um, how they worked out in terms of time, but it was just sort of like the Klingons were just all of a sudden somewhere completely different than they'd been before and in a completely different place. And so that was just kind of how I justified this module. Yeah. But I don't think, I think pretty much any, any other Klingon module that you follow this up with, that you follow up Termination 1456, you can just basically say, um, here's your new mission and, and you better get this one right and you're a little bit in disgrace now and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it worked out. Yeah, for, for what it's worth, I remember the night before um, we played this game, Philip was just like, I I just think I'm gonna cancel the game. He's like, I just, I'm, I can't do this. Like, if, he really did not want to play this game. And we had a long conversation about it um, where, cause he didn't want to cancel, but you know, whatever, but he wasn't prepped on the next module and whatever else. So, so, um, so point one is we don't need it to get us to the next step in our Klingon campaign. Point two, are there other campaigns that have been linear or comma or very simple that we enjoyed more? Um, I, I think, well, I mean, I, think I guess was... what if, if, if we're looking for something that is giving April that palate cleanser after something really intense and military and strategic, like termination 1456, right? What other module could we put in that might be that palate cleanser feel? Because right now my argument, even with my warp factor, three score is that you never need to play this unless you love Star Trek three and really want to just do that tie-in. Yeah. Otherwise, I think our dear listeners don't ever need to touch this or investigate this. We've done the work of saying pass on this for them. Looking ahead at the, the other modules that come out in the magazines, I think they're all better than this. Okay. 
So that's one okay. thing I would say. Um, I mean, Intrusion was another Klingon campaign. That was the one with the Romulans intruded on the ship. And it was also very bare bones. And we also gave it a low score for that. And it was kind of linear, um, not quite in the terms of like scene, 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 but just like there was only a few specific things that could happen really in that one. Um, I basically don't recommend that one either. So if you watch Star Trek three, want to try out Klingons for the first time and let all your players die at the end of the night, <laughs> this is the this is the module for you. Or if, if you want to completely rewrite it yourself and make it a different storyline like Philip did. Yeah. Otherwise, Please I think go. dear listeners, you can just hard pass on this bad boy. Except yeah. I would I would highly recommend admiring Michael Scott's work. <laughs> which I'm sure we'll put up on our website if appropriate and Amen. everyone say kudos to Michael Scott for your beautiful work and we love you otherwise I'm a hard pass yeah 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 there you go that's that's my I'm glad, feeling I'm glad we did it so that we could review it and uh, honestly the it was a of this podcast <laughs> it took us two hours to play instead of our usual three or three and a half mm-hmm. so it just was kind of like uh very bare bones and that was all there was to it so and i mean you can hear from it we just filled it with fluff because there was nothing there to do otherwise right and you know that we will vamp and we will improv the fluff if there's nothing else to do yeah if i'm not pushing the the pace of the of the game then yeah it gets filled up with all that sort of stuff which is delightful but also that's not all there is so that's my opinion there you go all right well that's right. our review of the serpent factor why it's called that i don't know i think jordan jordan is supposed to be like a a traitor so he's kind of a serpent oh i thought he was kind of the good guy in the whole thing because he was like you guys aren't right you aren't doing the right thing so i'm gonna tell on you ha ha that's it that's from a certain point of view yeah starfleet's good (laughs) but it's also jordan and once we get to know his character a bit more He's definitely not a good guy. <laughs> no, right? It's terrible. I love it. Well, he came over to you guys for money. I think I oh. promised him like 140,000 credits. Oh, yeah. I come over like for that much. Anyway, um, hey, if you liked our podcast or if you yes. like our podcast or if you just like April, whatever, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because it really helps us out. We also want to hear from you, so visit our website at www.rpgpopclub.com or email us at rpgpopclub at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought or if there's a module you would love for us to review. April, we appreciate you being here. We love you. Um, some of us love you so much they married you. And <laughs> that's, right. that's where we're at. Do you have anything you'd like to plug, your IG or any projects you're doing in this weird time where there's nothing to do? Um, you know, if you ever want to visit lyricopera.org and watch some of their um, streaming videos, um, I'm featured on a couple of them in the, in chorus works. There's a um, there's a Verdi chorus conductor off where you get to vote for your favorite um, conductor um, conducting various uh, Verdi choruses. Um, and I'll be in all of those Verdi choruses. Well, except Yay. the one but yes <laughs> so I love dirty courses a plus Yay. so anytime you want to uh you know 
listen to some classical music go to lyricopera.org we've got a lot of stuff streaming on there right now so yeah yay <laughs> hey phil what module are we doing next week i'm glad you asked we're going to press forward with these um star date magazines and the next one is called deneva deception and that's in star date number two so cool. yeah has anybody reviewed no. it <laughs> no one has reviewed it no stop asking nobody's reviewed any of this stuff we're the only ones who are right. doing it so you don't have to dear listener that's right get it here <laughs> right awesome well thanks for being here april and thanks for listening everybody thanks for having me. yeah bye bye do 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 do